Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Over Everything podcast. I'm your host, William Liu. Uh, I'm joined by, what, what, what do I always call you? The Grand Poobah of Raptors HQ, Daniel Reynolds? I mean, sure, that works. I, yeah. I go with editor-in-chief, but you can... You can okay. What you want, yeah. Yeah, you guys got official titles? Yeah. I'm just Grand Poobah of Yahoo Sports Canada. <laughs> <laughs> I'm well, not do, even nice. You, you do your thing, I'll do my thing, all right? Um, all right, so first off, uh, how's quarantine life going for you before we go on and grade all the Raptors? Uh, not bad. I mean, obviously, the lack of sports makes our job a little bit more difficult, but, mm. you know... And obviously, I'm, I don't live in a palatial estate. Grand, the, being a grand poobah doesn't pay you that well. So, uh, wow. you know, you know, it's a, Raptors it's a HQ of, ain't paying the bills. <laughs> so it's a bit of a tight space, but uh, you know, I make it work and that's it. Okay. All right. Um, what's that t-shirt say, man? You got an NBA yeah, Jam t-shirt? What's going on? NBA Jam, Lowry, Kawhi shirt. Oh, okay. Wow. Part, you know. Well done. I had to rep the brand. All right. Um, so you and I have both graded the Raptors. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, honestly, I mean, we don't really know if the season will come back or not, which is unfortunate. So, is. you know, really while the season is still fresh in our minds, we should really write down, uh, what we thought of them this year. And, uh, we can go through one through 15 in the roster. We'll start at the very top. Kyle Lowry. For me, I actually had, so I had like an overall GPA for them because mm-hmm. I had, I had four grades essentially what I was ranking them on. I had offense, yeah. defense, their role, which is, um, you know, just in terms of their responsibilities, you know what I mean? It's sort of like the bell curve. Yeah, exactly. Like Lowry's role is different than Terrence Davis's role. So you can really grade them within, you know, what the expectations were. And then Mm -hmm. I had a fourth one, which is intangibles, which kind of just encompassed everything, you know, a little bit of like leadership in terms of how they participated with the team, uh, what kind of content they gave, you know, fans and media to consume, everything like that. Sure. So okay. it's it's a general basket. So for me, Kyle Lowry gets an overall GPA of 4.15, so 4.2. Um, he gets A on offense, A on defense, A-plus on roll for me, and then A-plus on intangibles. You gave him an A-plus. Is there that much to talk about with Kyle Lowry? I'll just say this. My uh, my metric is obviously not as in-depth as yours. Mm. Uh, I was looking at it basically segment by segment of the season, but but – but yes, with Lowry, uh, I was at this point. It's he's an A plus. Yes, there's nothing else. There's nothing else to say. He does everything the team needs. He's the key to their success. And when he's playing well, which he has been, particularly this season, it feels like, uh, yeah, A plus. I don't know what else you can even say about it. Yeah, I was listening to uh, so Masai did this interview with Ernie Johnson of Inside the NBA um, on Monday night, and one of the things Masai was talking about was just how Kyle Lowry kind of improves with age you know it's 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 backwards you know uh for writers it's probably better with age you know i yeah. anticipate you sure. being better in 10 years sure. than you are now yeah. hopefully sure. uh, but yeah for larry like he really did 
you know, improving so many assets in terms of his, his offense. Because for a time, at least for me, in the last couple of seasons, I thought Kyle was sort of on a downward trajectory, which mm-hmm. kind of made sense. You know, if you just look at it, right? There's not a long history of guards who are six feet and under um, succeeding into their age 34 season onwards. You know, obviously, mm-hmm. Reynolds, you are the exception. But, um, oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> but with Kyle, his scoring had dropped like three straight years. So I thought, yeah. you know, this is what was going to be. But this year, especially with Kawhi gone, What's really impressed me, in particular offensively, is that he increased his scoring by an additional six points per game. His mm-hmm. scoring efficiency remained the same as it ever was. It was really good. And the other thing that was really surprising was that he got to the free throw line again. Like, why? Like, he went That's- from three free throw attempts per game last season to 5.7 this year. So basically doubled it. Like, how do you explain this? Well, you're right that it is a bit. They're, they're, this is sort of without precedent to a certain extent. It is hard for guards to sort of get better as they age, especially sort of undersized ones. I think Lowry is is sort of the master of of picking his spots though, or and and figuring out how to use what he has the best way possible. So obviously, when uh, the Kawhi year, it was about being a a playmaker and being a shooter, mm. and now he knows how to sort of leverage his his strength to get to the rim when he needs to but but when he needs to and he's playing with players that know, he knows how to play off of to to create passing lanes and create drives to the rim the free throw thing i mean other than just being more aggressive like driving to the rim mm-hmm. and being and, and sort of figuring out how to get those angles i mean i mean we've seen uh fred van vliet improve in that regard in terms of finishing at the rim uh but but to see it at this stage of Lowry's career is pretty remarkable i i, I mean other than just he's the smartest player like going right now or one of the smartest i don't know how else you can really describe it yeah i think that's a good point too because it really does feel like kyle's obviously been a you know very very intelligent player but this year in particular i feel like his just the smarts on every level has improved Mm -hmm. you know defensively uh, if sneaky a very good year defensively for him too just because i also felt like in previous seasons maybe his on-ball defense had slipped a little bit Mm -hmm. Um, and i think now i think it's pretty clear but one of the things that worked really well this year was that because he started with Fred Van Vliet, Fred could take a lot of that difficult on-ball yes. assignments. If it's like a Kyrie Irving or a Kemba Walker or a Trey Young or something like that, you know, Fred is just much better at doing that. Mm-hmm. And so Kyle was able to play more off the ball and then yeah. really off the ball. That's where his genius is because he's able to make all these help plays, take charges, deflections, everything like that. Um, I thought he was yeah, really, really good in his role. When you couple him with Gasol in that role, like the the sort of being able to play smart on the ball, but like being very effective as defensive quarterbacks, like mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's 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 a no brainer. I mean, he he really does excel in that sort of position. Yeah, yeah. T- top of the class for Kyle Lowry. There's there's not even that much else to talk about. It's just no. a no. gift. I mean, we talked this long about it because it's really just ding a plus best player. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, he had the highest grade for me. All right, the yeah. only player with an above four GPA. That's pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so number two on my list, Fred VanVleet. So he comes in an overall GPA at 3.8. Offensively, I gave him a B plus. Defensively, I gave him an A. And in terms of his role, I gave him an A. And intangibles, I gave him an A. So really just A's across the board. B plus was probably his lowest grade. What did you give him? Uh, I gave him an A. And I okay. felt like, obviously, the big jump coming into this season was when it became clear they were going to start Fred Van Vliet. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, can he play a starter's minutes? This has been the question over the last few years, especially leading up to his free agency, it's it's well if 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 he's going to get a bigger role and he's going to become a starter, can he actually do it? Is he worth the t- the, the 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 those minutes? Is he worth 
say, a future big money contract? Can he hold up? And I think for the most part, uh, he's done that. And I think he's picked apart. We've seen it. We saw it, you know, many nights where he just picked apart teams, much like Lowry does, in that he knows how to use his skills. He knows how to play with his teammates. And even though he's the smallest guy, he knows how to find ways to generate shots and, and looks and everything else that he needs to do as a point guard. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think that taking that next step forward is for sure is important because, you know, coming into this year, it wasn't like known for sure Fred could really mm. hold on to this role. Um, I found it a little bit surprising that in training camp immediately, Nick Nurse comes out and says, I'm starting with Fred because there was a real chance Norm could have started too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I think a lot of people thought that would be the case uh, just because of just because of the size and, mm-hmm. the, and the role and and Fred's comfort with being sort of like the bench leader to a certain right. extent. Right, but you know I I commend Fred. He started every single game he was healthy this year. The only reason I gave him a B plus offensively was just um, even though he was very very good offensively, I thought you know he's if you look at just the total rankings over that he stirred in the team in scoring mm-hmm. at seventeen point six points per game. Mm-hmm. That's a huge jump from last year. Uh, his three-point percentage remains really good, 39% on seven attempts per game. It's really just a two-point shooting for me that is a yeah. is a concern just because he only shoots 43% from two-point range, mm-hmm. which if you look up and down the roster, that's the lowest of anybody in the rotation. Like mm-hmm. he, uh, Marcus All this year, I mean, it's an, it's an outlier. He's at 44%. <laughs> I don't even want to talk about it. Yeah. But, I mean, we know regularly Marcus All is not a 44% shooter. But, like, even if you compare it to a guy like Rondé, who you know, I mean, famously misses layups. Like <laughs> yeah. Rondé's at forty nine point three percent for two point range. Fred is at forty three percent. That is just so so low. Um, that I mean, it I, concerns me a little bit. That's all I'm saying. I, I guess what I would say to that is it it feels like we spent a lot of time uh, in uh, along sort of when we were watching Fred's development curve, thinking about you know his passing ability, his shooting ability, mm-hmm. and that consistency de- defensively, then expanding his minutes. I put him in the class with, and we'll we'll talk about Pascal Siakam in a second. But I put him in the class with him in the sense that I I do feel like Fred's the kind of player that now he'll look at the sort of numbers and say, okay, I'm getting killed here mm-hmm. in the two point range. Some of it is that he's an undersized finisher. It's very difficult for him yep. to find you know to finish at the rim just because he's usually throwing it up over much bigger guys. But there is a in between game you know floaters, mm-hmm. short jumpers, yep. elbow you know corner moves where it's like yeah he needs to get you know, 5% better at that mm-hmm. to really make that. Cause, cause as you, as you highlighted way back uh, when I remember specifically noting his three point shooting ability, especially from deep, like yeah, deep, yeah. super deep. Like that's, that's a skill that now is necessary. And especially if you're going to be undersized. So I think, I think he'll sort of see the benefit of working on that in between game. Cause he's already sort of got to a certain extent as good as his, his rim, his play at the rim is going to ever get. And mm-hmm. he's obviously a very good three point shooter. So that in between game has to improve. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Is is there a player in particular you think he should maybe look to adapt some other in between that in between game? Because there's a lot of guards with in between games, but well, I mean, like a guy like Conley. Mike Conley is a pretty okay. good example. Like where it's like the floater is something like you know the the uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this carefully, but the the Russell Westbrook sort of explosion where you're like you're making moves because because with him now he's not an efficient shooter, but but I guess the point here is he he. He he throws up three pointers. He's he's obviously always trying to get to the rim, mm-hmm. but then he has that he has that uh, stop on a dime jumper. Right. And he's right. not afraid to use. He's not afraid to do anything. So he uses that, and that's the kind of thing where I think a lot of players get away from using that stop and go. Just you know, it's right there. The elbow's mm-hmm. right there. You know. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
Yeah, and the, the other thing with Fred this year is I, I think defensively he's really proven it. Like, obviously last year, he was a very good defender last year too. And obviously mm-hmm. we saw in the finals, but that sort of continuation, and I already talked about with him and Kyle, one of the reasons it works well, he can guard the tougher on-ball um, mm-hmm. player. Um, but I also thought Fred was really, really good in terms of his smarts defensively. Yeah. Um, you know, is, is up there with anyone else on the team. I think he might have led the team in deflections. Um he, I can believe he, that. He was leaving. He was leading the team for a long time, and and that's mm-hmm. super impressive considering he has the shortest wingspan on the team. Yeah, and and then I gave him an A in the terms of role as well, just because not only was he good as a starter, but he was really good when Kyle Lowry went down. Mm-hmm. There are some of the best games that Fred had was filling in for Kyle in that role, right? Yeah, um, I think Fred's best game of the season, at least the one that comes to mind the most, is on the road against Portland. And whatever, Portland's not that good this year, but they they had. Yeah. They were shorthanded on the road trip. No Kyle Lowry, no Serge Ibaka. And Fred Van Vliet goes up and he guards Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard at that time had like a streak of like 600 games of double-digit scoring. Dame has a career-low nine points that game. It was it was real, real tough. Yeah. And Fred had 30. And yeah. when you can outplay a guy like Damian Lillard, who's going to be on the All-NBA team, um, that's yeah. you're pretty good. <laughs> and you led the team to a win, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. That that really hits on another thing about him is that he, it does he is I mean we were saying this back a couple of years ago when maybe it wasn't even quite that true but he is a steadying force mm. and like Lowry and like the best players he knows what his team needs so yeah. a game like that where it's like you have to stop the best player and you're gonna have to be basically the only to a certain extent the only point guard obviously Siakam takes on a lot of playmaking duties and ball handling duties in that scenario without Lowry but obviously a lot of the game is gonna come down to you making the moves Fred and he does it and it's mm-hmm. like well i mean what else can you say i mean we didn't know if he could do it a couple of years ago but we thought he could and now it's, it's true that he can yeah for sure very impressive for uh, fred mm-hmm. next guy on my list og Ananobi. um i gave him a b on offense an a on defense a minus in his role b plus in intangibles and for an overall gpa of 3.5 uh what was your grade for og only a B plus in intangibles. I really feel like OG <laughs> OG has got OG is next level in, the, oh, yeah? in content and and in stuff. I I don't know. No, I, I, OG continues to be this guy who like sort of defies easy classification. Mm-hmm. In the first bit of the season, as people were talking about, he was like new age Scottie Pippen. The guy looked like he could just get on every ball, yep. guard every guard every player, and like just was and like was slashing and moving with ease. Obviously. Then he kind of went down a little bit, and then I think just before, you know, I think uh, leading into the during that the win streak, I, I can't remember exactly when, but he was definitely playing better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and definitely in the last few runs, the the thirty two points against Denver, yeah, uh, and, and the steals numbers going back up, that whatever he had in that game, seven, seven. steals, some, yeah. yeah, like that's like Nuts. You know, like like and and like it, it's, in one sense, steals are kind of like a peaky thing, like they just happen. There's a freak game. It's like it's like those games where someone has eighteen rebounds, but like six of the rebounds are like tips. Yeah. You know, on, on the same miss. So it's like, on one hand, it's like they're, it's just a peaky game. You, you're not going to have seven steals every game, no matter how good defensively you are. But it indicates sort of like how he how he gets out there. And like mm-hmm. every pass is like a day. You know, they said that about Kawhi too. Every, anytime someone was dribbling or passing near him, you had to be careful. And OG is moving in that direction where if you're taking a break, you're taking a, a playoff, OG might just swoop in out of nowhere and, and make something happen. And then he does it like the like a robot. He never... You never tell what he you can never tell what he's thinking or doing. He just does it, and you're yeah. just like, whoa. No, I mean, you know, th- that's where the intangibles come in because you know he's OG's a guy who not, won't necessarily thrive in in the mm-hmm. school setting. You know, he's like an artsy kid, 
you know sure <laughs> yeah okay yeah that's interesting he, he can't that's, be yeah. he can't be held by academic sta- standards no. okay no, i can definitely see him in the back of the class yeah, yeah. Trouble, but then handing in the perfect homework assignment yeah sure definitely okay. yeah exactly you skip class realized, to work on his band i i <laughs> i gave him a b plus which I feel like sort of captures both sides of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Both sides of his game. I think offensively he's he's been struggling. Mm-hmm. Defensively, I feel like he is like to a certain extent the future core. Him and Pascal are like the future core of the defense, basically. Where it's right. like good luck trying to score on any of these guys. Right, right. And and look, defensively, I, there's even a case that he should have got an A plus. Um, offensively, I gave him a B only in the sense that you know I think maybe I kind of blended his role a little bit into this one because I, I thought if you look at the overall numbers, I totally agree. Like with OG, it was a little inconsistent. There were peaks, there were values, um, you know, but on the whole, if you think about OG as the fifth option, giving you 10.7 points per game in 30 minutes, mm-hmm. shooting 51% from the field and 38% mm-hmm. from three, um, that's really wonderful production. I don't mm-hmm. think you can expect that much more. If you compare it to someone like Danny Green last year, it's pretty much the same. I mean, yeah. Danny got yeah. a little bit more threes, and OG shot a little bit more twos and transition and dunking and things like that. But, um, you know, that exa- in terms of what the Raptors needed from him, uh, you know, they needed him to be that go-to defender, which I think he showed this year. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he they needed him to be an effective. Basically, they needed him to be a better defensive version of Danny Green. And I think he kind of did that. You know what I yes. mean? So yeah, I, I, I would have been very interested to see what OG would have done in the playoffs. I well, that's yeah. It's kind of wild to remember that he was like on the championship team and didn't play. Like they didn't. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember talking about that Philly series, how much the Raptors could have used him, and then it's like, well, they didn't even get a chance to do, see that. But uh, I agree, and I, I think I think um, uh, I think the the thing that we always have to sort of wrap our minds around with him is is where we see him ultimately getting to. I think that's been the the struggle with OG is that we we want we want to see him become like the the number two guy like the the like you know when pascal's having an off night og can take over kind of thing and it's like well it's become clear he's not going to maybe get there mm-hmm. uh you know he's going to become more of a specialist yeah. but, he, but but his specialty is like very important and very useful so yes he's probably not going to become a consistent 20 percent a 20 point scorer but having that that secondary like defensor defender guy is going to be very useful i think in the long run yeah and and just quickly on the last point like I think when you watch OG practice and stuff like that, like he's working on the next step to his game. You know, like mm-hmm. you'll see him. He he wants to post up once in a while. Mm-hmm. You know, he wants to actually demonstrate that he can do it. And I think he's, he's strong enough that he can move yeah. somebody. He and he's still really, young. And he's super young. He's like he's, he's. I think he actually is the youngest player on the team. Terrence he and is. Davis, he and Davis are the two guys. I mean, every, we've we've talked about this before. With, I mean, people are talking about what about the future of Boucher and this and that. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, yeah, those guys are all twenty six plus. These, yeah. He's what twenty two, twenty three. Yeah, I mean, like he's still there. Yeah, it's like comparing, uh, you know, any of us to Keyshawn. <laughs> hey, now. I mean, Keyshawn's only like twenty two years old. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, or me to you, basically. Well, <laughs> you know, I didn't want to say anything, but yeah. could have just used Alex to me. You know, could've, yeah, sure. Could have sure, snuck yeah. in a dick. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, just with OG, like I think he there's a ex- desire to expand his game through the post. I think whenever time you watch him warm up and stuff, he always makes sure to practice like off the dribble threes. Maybe mm-hmm. step inside for that mid-range elbow too. So, um, let, working on it. let's check back. Yeah, let's check back. I mean, he'll get a chance to develop it. That's the thing with the Raptors. He'll, he'll yeah. will develop anybody. Um, mm-hmm. Next guy up for me, Pascal Siakam. I gave him an A on offense, an A minus on defense, uh, an A minus in his role, and an A in his intangibles for an overall GPA three point nine. So very very close to a four point GPA. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your grade for for Pascal? 
I just want to say I gave him an A minus, and okay. now of course when you're talking about rule, this is the guy where you're we're grading him now as like a superstar player. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's like it is. It's like on the one hand, he did a lot to show that he can be that guy for the Raptors, but obviously when he played some of the games, I can distinctly remember some of the games the Raptors lost. It was because the other team's superstar just did that much, mm-hmm. that much more. Yep. Yep. And I mean, that's life. That is life. Now, here's the thing with Pascal. I think he's had uh, ups and downs in the year. I think mm-hmm. he started the year just on just on fire. Like right before he got to that groin injury in mid December against mm-hmm. uh, the Pistons, like he was just like insanely good. Like I'm not even saying he was co- like it's, it's hard to compare anyone to Kawhi, but just in terms of regular season wise, his yeah. numbers. Up until that point, mid December, were very comparable to what Kawhi gave you in the yes. regular season setting last year on the Raptors, mm-hmm. and that's just incredible. And then when he came back, it wasn't necessarily the same. I don't know if it was um, finding a rhythm. Maybe it was adapted to an injury. He's been mm-hmm. a very healthy player all his career, so mm-hmm. it must be difficult to adjust to an injury. And of course, he was obviously saddled with a big role. But I also thought that as the year went on, especially in this last road trip where the Raptors went on he really bounced back in a way and he had a lot of great moments. And one thing that, you know, I, I want to give him a little bit lower on his role just because it, the expectations are so high from this year. But um, one thing that was really impressive to me is as a, in terms of in crunch time and stuff like that, he actually really did deliver very good numbers. Um, his true shooting percentage was above 60%. Mm-hmm. His usage was above 35 mm-hmm. uh, And he scored well. And the Raptors were the second best team in crunch time by net rating. So, Mm-hmm. For Pascal to do that, I think is really impressive. It's just weird that you know, in the in between parts, you know, it's even within a game. Sometimes you'll come yeah. out hot first quarter, twelve points; second quarter, two; third quarter, yeah. two; and then fourth quarter, like ten. And you're like, wow, yeah. what a great game! But you know, it's it's odd. It's 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 a bit of it's a bit of sometimes it feels like he's uh, pacing himself, and sometimes it feels like he's being taken out of the game. And I think sometimes, I mean, you, we were talking about Lillard before. There are definitely games where I, where Lillard has been quiet for the first two quarters, three quarters, and you're terrified because you're waiting for him to explode, and you know he's mm-hmm. going to. Yeah. Whereas with Pascal, there have been games where he's been quiet, but it looks like he's getting less and less comfortable as the game goes on. Right. And you're not sure where he's at. And then, yes, maybe sometimes he comes out of it, but you're not quite sure. And I think, yeah, that in between, you know, the confidence kind of coming and going – the the you know sometimes he falls in love a little bit with the threes a little too much or the yep. or the or the you know he's, you could tell he's trying to take you know the one legged jumpers the fadeaways the different moves and it's like it's good to to do that to try it to go mm-hmm. for it but it's also like well they can't guard you when you go to the post and do your spin move type of thing right. so it's like you know it's there or or when they double team you or triple team you find that pass. Well, I mean, so, that's kind of like the development within a season sure. too, right? Like yeah. it, coming becoming new to the role. I almost want him to take more difficult shots, not necessarily yeah. because that's what's good for the team right now, but it, in the future. And, and I think that's something where Pascal and I think Nick Nurse and the coaching staff did a really good job of keeping that in perspective, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Pascal talked about it coming into the season, throughout the season, like, look, I got to get better at some of these moves and I got to get comfortable at them. And I got to get into that mentality of, look, I'm going to take over. Like, you know, it, it's difficult just being from, you know, uh, what he was last year, which was second option, but definitely mm-hmm. a clear second option to like, mm-hmm. no, you're the first option, period. Um, mm-hmm. And we even heard Nurse talk about it coming off the, uh, the the all-star break and everything like that. Nurse, you know, said at practice, like, hey, uh, our goal for the rest of the season, obviously, is, you know, multiple goals. But one of the goals is we want to prioritize Pascal, get him really comfortable, you know, scoring and stuff like that. And in that role, in that sense, like if you just think about 
take a step back and, and look at last year. He's he, the way he's scoring this year is so much different than last year, right? Like he was mostly a guy who worked on the baseline, hit corner mm-hmm. threes, post ups, ran in transition, and he was really good in that role. He got like 17 points per game out of it. But mm-hmm. now it's like he he almost never gets out in transition like that anymore. Uh, certainly teams are coming back on him. Yeah, uh, he's he posting up still, but you know he's also able to work pick and roll, hit, yeah. pull up threes. Yeah, and that's that's really impressive to be able to change your game after being successful. And I think that's also a mark of a very humble player because he didn't force his yes. way either. Yeah. Well, I think I mean I think that's really and then it goes back to sort of how do you grade Siakam? Mm-hmm. Part of it also is like this is a guy who three years ago like couldn't shoot at all. Yep. Could like all he could do was run back and forth, and that was great. He was mm-hmm. elite at that. But and and obviously playing with a guy like Lowry, he loved it. But like you know, thinking about him in 2016, thinking about him now, it's like it's like two different players yeah no it's, it's a guy it's that's 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 to come into the league with as little a pedigree as he had mm-hmm. like not being a top 10 pick not being a guy just being a raw to a certain extent a raw player mm-hmm. and yeah, yeah. this it's like uh, it's hard to be too down on the ups and downs of his play because like what he's doing to a certain extent is unprecedented exactly exactly i mean literally they asked him to fill Kawhi's shoes yeah <laughs> that's yeah. a lot yeah. man that's why i gave him an a on intangibles because just like mentally, it must be so difficult, you know what I mean? And it's kind of like a make or break thing. I think he stayed positive. He stayed upbeat through it. He's welcomed it. And really, the other thing is, I just think that he needs to adjust to in terms of like the endurance that it takes, both mentally and physically, to be yeah. the number one option night after night after night. It, it is not easy. And we've, mm-hmm. we've seen him wear down at times. But also yes. the, the the highs of what Pascal can do is, is just so impressive. Yeah. Um so overall, a really, really nice year for Pascal. I mean, he, by my grade, he was the second best Raptor this year. I had him right up there. I mean, A minus. He's in that trio of, of high quality players. Right. All right. This one. So we've been very positive for everyone so far. This next one, Marcus Saul. I gave him a C plus on offense. Whoa. I gave him an A on defense, a B on roll, and a B on intangibles for an overall GPA three point one. Well, what did what did you what did you grade, uh, Big Mark? <sighs> So my grade in my three-quarter season report card was mostly looking at sort of as he had come back. Mm. So because again, what kind of grade do you give a guy? He missed huge chunks of the season. It barely, it felt like we barely saw him play. I don't even yeah. remember. Like, I mean, in 2019, I don't even remember him playing very much. Mm. Uh, it it feels it, feel, it feels like uh, I gave him a B plus, but I could be talked into something lower because, uh, like maybe that was a very I, maybe that was an optimistic grade because I was hoping he was going to start to ramp up his play. Right. Uh, Right, uh, and we can also sort of look at it and say, well, you know, he had the long championship run and the World Cup and everything mm. else. Old, uh, you know, when you get a when you get a non contract con- non contact hamstring injury, that means you have to take a break. Um, no, I agree. I agree. Uh, and it's look the con the the circumstances are completely understandable, but I mean, realistically, uh, okay. So the lowest grade I had for him was offense, C plus, right? Yeah. And, and really, you know, it's not entirely fair because if you look at it in terms of on a team wide perspective, the offense ran really well with Marcus All on the floor. Yeah. Uh, the, the offensive rating with him on was one of the highest marks on the team. However, I, I just think, don't think you can have watched this season for Mark and said that he was a, a great offensive player. Like he facilitated great offense around him. But a lot of that was he couldn't really score. Like, you know, do you know how many games Marcus Law had twenty points per game? I'm sorry, twenty points. How many 20? this season? Yeah. Oh, uh, I would. I would. The line is probably set at like one and a half. Yeah. What are you taking? One and a half. 
I might go under. Yeah, it is under. It's one. He had one 20-point game against Washington, who don't play defense, and he sure. hit six threes in that game. So whatever, yeah. he had 20 points. Great game. But, but that's but that's what he but that's what he is now. I can't get mad at him for that. That's, that's what we had that in the playoffs. That's what he did when they that, won the title. This is true. This is true. All I'm saying though, all I'm saying though, sixteen seventeen, uh, what this is a three seasons ago now, averaging nineteen point five points per game. So we're basically talking about three seasons ago. Every yeah. game was like a twenty point game, and yes. this year it, he had one twenty point game. He only had like a dozen double digit point games, and then he like you know missed half the season. So it, it's. And it's really just like watching him struggle at the start of the year offensively. Yeah. Like it was just jarring the amount of times he would take the little turnaround yes. jumper and it would yeah. fall out every time. Then he would post up. He would miss those post ups. It was concerning. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not uh, saying he's a bad player at all. He's great, right. but he just wasn't at his potential this year. I, you're right. I understand that. I, I, my, my opinion is I'm fine with with him only taking threes. Basically, like when he didn't hit any twos for a mm. while, I was like not really particularly bothered by that because again. That part of his game is gone, and 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 to a certain extent, the Raptors don't need it there anymore because they have other guys they'd probably rather run in the post. Siakam, mm-hmm. in particular, uh, he doesn't have you know he's not really he sets screens, but he's not really he's not a pick and roll guy. He's not diving to the rim. Right. He's only shooting. So uh, that my only problem with him offensively is when he gets really hesitant to shoot. That too. That's only, that's a that's, real that's, concern. That, Remember, he would go is, entire games without shooting the ball. Oh, that is the only time where I'm like. <laughs> Okay, because the thing about that is, unlike, for example, Pat McCaw, where you're like, what the hell is this guy never shooting? With Gasol, he knows he's supposed to shoot. No, he, he, knows, can, he can he knows, score. But he knows the ball coming to him, open the three-point line, yeah. even with a guy running at him, he knows he has to shoot it. And yeah. so sometimes when you get that hot potato thing going, and you're like, okay, just shoot the ball. What are you doing? Yeah. That's my only time where I'm like, that's where you got to take him a, a ding him for his offensive game. All right, fair enough. Um, I mean, overall, he still shot the ball well in terms of yeah. three-point range, right? He sh- hit 40% on the season. Yeah. Um, you know, that was obviously very good. It's just a two-point stuff, man. 44% from two-point range for a center is just but, it's, but it's hard to swallow, you know? I, I just I just think back to, like, uh, to make a comparison to Jonas Valanciunas. Love him. That's great. Oh, man, I love it. Let's hold, go. Hold, hold on. I, I love this Marcus on JV is, debate. Some, hold on, hold on. There is some thinking to the idea that obviously – Especially like down the run of that last season, it's like JV was a much more uh, efficient score. You could put the ball in his hands, and mm-hmm. he didn't need to. He didn't need to make a bunch of passes or, or do a bunch of crafty stuff. He could just just back a guy down and score the ball. Right. The challenge with that is, and we've seen this uh, when the Raptors ran up against some really high power teams, he couldn't generate enough offense, even though he technically scored a lot. Mm. Couldn't gen- he couldn't generate enough chances for anyone else. He couldn't generate enough threes. He couldn't. So the game, even if he's scoring every time down the floor, the game just outruns him anyway. Mm. I feel like Gasol, like, yeah, sometimes you're like, just shoot it. But other times you're like, no, he understands that the pace of the game, the Raptors need him to play a certain way to maximize. I mean, no one's getting mad at, like, Brooke Lopez firing a lot of threes. He does – it's the same thing to a certain extent. Yeah. Not me, but I, I wish he fired threes like Brooke Lopez did, though, because, right. you know, Mark Some, only shot 3.5 per game. Yes. Lopez is already, like, seven. Yes. You know, and so. and it would be nice sometimes if you he had a little less of that sort of uh, a little less of a conscience about it, and just was like, yeah, I'm going to shoot this shot. Mm-hmm. Period. You know? Yeah, no, fair enough. Look, I'm not saying he's a bad offensive player. I just think yeah. offensively this year it wasn't as much as uh, as what you could expect from a guy with his talent. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. he was going to come back strong. He was just playing back that hammy injury. Injury. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. 
Oh, wow. Okay, you know what? I just looked it up. Brook Lopez only had 4.7 threes per game this year. There you go. All right. Well, I mean, he didn't play as many minutes either, but whatever. Yeah. Um, next one, Serge Ibaka. I give him a B-plus on offense, a B-plus on defense, A-plus in his role, an A-plus in intangibles for a 3.9 GPA. Wow, wow. that's, that's wow. high. Um, I mean, what did you give Serge? I thought Serge was great this year, man. Uh, yeah, I gave him an A. I think uh, when the season started, he some of his – it's interesting you put you gave him a B-plus on defense. I felt some of his stats, and one of our guys, uh, Daniel Hackett, pointed mm-hmm. this out. Some of his stats are a bit noisy. He yes. had he, he kind of had oh yeah a lot of rebounds and blocks but he never he didn't actually improve the Raptors defense that much but mm-hmm. he was he was out there making a lot of noise so right. I I sort of get his point there but at the same time there were games there where like Ibaka was just everywhere and like just totally fearsome doing mm-hmm. anything you know everything he could yeah well I mean my retort to this would be um he, he, there's a lot of games where Mark was out and mm-hmm. Serge had to play in a bad matchup he had to start. Mm-hmm. He had to play more minutes, and I think there's you can expect a natural drop off. It's totally understandable. Sure. That's yeah. all right. Um, but you know, at the same time, though, yeah, I do agree with you though because I, I do think the defense worked better with Mark on the floor. That's it's no question. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think Serge, especially defensively, he it was fine. Like the Raptors really prioritized you know guarding the rim this year, mm-hmm. and I thought he did a good job of guarding the basket as he always does. Um, you know, one thing you get with Mark is like that flexibility in defensive scheme. You know, yeah. you can run, you can have him trap on the perimeter, even though he's big and lumbering. He's so smart in terms of his positioning. Yeah. He knows how to get everything. Serge, you're not as adaptable. You can't run as many zone looks with Serge. Not saying you can't, mm-hmm. it's just not as effective. Um, mm-hmm. but I mean, overall, I thought it defensively was really good. To be honest, offensively, you know, it, it's also the kind of similar thing where Serge and, and Mark are totally different players, right? Serge is a guy who's a finisher. Mark is a guy who's a creator. Mm-hmm. Serge is not really going to pass that much. I thought his passing actually occasionally was okay, it, but it improved. It improved this year. I mean, it improved. I mean, he had uh, 1.5 assists per game this year, which is not that bad for her, uh, you know, in his role. Um, it, it, no one had him throwing any passes before, so the fact that he's now not only making the obvious pass, but making sometimes the one that's just a little bit ahead of yeah. other people. I mean, that's that's an improvement. Yeah. That uh, alley oop to you know Matt Thomas is I mean, a real contender for uh, <laughs> for yeah. basket of the season. <laughs> yeah. It's right up there for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was, it was offensively, you know, especially when with Mark down, Serge really stepped up and, and provided for the team. Uh, Sixteen mm-hmm. points per game this year. I led the team in uh, offensive rebounds as well. Um, you know. He was good, and he was real solid. And the one thing that was really nice about Serge is that his three-point percentage bounced back. So, yeah. like, last season when he transitioned to center at first, his three-point percentage just took a dive. I don't know if it wasn't working on it or whatever, but it was down to 29%. Yeah. This year, back up to sort of where it has been historically, close yeah. to 40% this year, 398 Um And he's not shooting that many threes, and obviously defenses aren't necessarily respecting him in that range. But the fact that he hit so many of these threes, especially that game mm-hmm. game-winning three against the Pacers... Yeah. Like, Love it. It's it's amazing, you know. I I think I mean I think that's really what what where we are with Ibaka at this point. I, I think he's a couple of years ago. I felt like he was going to be left for dead. I, I felt like the Raptors were going to have to figure out what to do with this guy. Mm, yep. And now you're looking at him going like, you know, he's no, a good locker room guy. Great he's locker room fun. guy. He's not afraid of anybody. He's not afraid of the moment. He's not afraid to be in the big game. That's clear. Mm. Uh, he's very confident. Uh, and he is trying to work on like doing more things. Now, sometimes he gets ahead of himself. Sometimes yeah, yeah, he yeah. try, tries to do too much. He still has that in him that it's like, 
okay, don't try and, you know, pass the ball on the move. Don't try and flip this. Don't try and do that. Mm. But at the same time, there are a bunch of, like, go-to Raptors plays. And a bunch of them, like, involve Serge Ibaka. Like, yeah. pick pop, those little flip shots he does. Like, where yep. you're just like, you're just like, every time that feels like it's going in. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, it's because Ibaka has done this now for years. So Yeah. Well, uh, that's so impressive because, you know, yeah. when he first came here, he was not necessarily that reliable of finisher. He could dunk it. Yes. But, like, that little hook shot, he's gotten so good at it now. Yes. He's really adapted to playing the center position. I think, obviously, mm. this is very clear, but, you know, he's going to be a successful center. He already is a successful center yeah. in the modern NBA because he has this inside-out game. Yes. Uh, and he's, effect, effect, like, efficient at whatever, basically, you want to run for him. Um, and, you know, he's limited mm-hmm. in his role, but he, I think he played his role well. The fact that he started this year, and, by the way, in 27 starts this year, he averaged, like, 18 points on nine rebounds. Which, yeah. as a starter, like that's phenomenal stuff for, yeah. our, for our team that was yeah. winning too. So, uh, yeah. Serge really did well. And really, the part I want to highlight was the intangibles, man. Not, it's been a very long time since we've had a player like Serge to give fans and media this much content. Yeah, you know that's what I mean. True. Yes. Look at this quarantine. Yeah. Serge has given us more content than anybody. And, and no one had this. Like if you had said, if you had said like five years ago, mm. like oh yeah, Serge Ibaka is going to become a media darling in 2020. We were like, what? Who? Yeah. What? No. Way. And, it's like, and here he is. It's like he's very entertaining. Yeah, I mean, uh, you got how hungry are you? Yeah, you, you got now how talented are you on IG Live? Apparently, he's rating oh. people. Okay. I, I haven't watched because I don't have Instagram, uh, but I, I hope it's good. Uh, yeah. He's got um, you know his Avet Class show, sure. which he's done. I mean, just the OG episode was phenomenal. Yeah, uh, pretty much any video involving Surge, he takes over. Like even yeah. in that slam interview with the with the whole team. Oh yes, yeah, he's he's the MVP of that one too. Yeah. Yeah. And then just like you know, even jokes aside, like in terms of as a leadership role, in terms of his intangibles, like mm-hmm. um, you know, the last home game of the season. I can't believe this is it, but it was that stupid loss to Charlotte. Do you remember? Oh yeah, sort of. I mean, I remember you you tweeted about it the other day, and I was yeah. remembering. Oh, like the one. Anyways, yeah, yes, so, I remember the game. To contextualize, right? It was like really ugly game. Uh, it was against Charlotte. They should have won. They were just coming off that game where they beat Indiana by like yeah. forty stop or us, whatever. Stop us if you heard this before. An ugly game against Charlotte that the Raptors should have. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. It was in the nineties. Um yeah. But they had fought back to tie the game, and they yeah. just needed to defend for like three seconds. Oh, I remember. And then this. Rondé fouls i think terry rogier before the inbound so yeah. they get the, an extra free throw which rogier hit and then possession to the end of the game so whatever after the game you know uh ronde was distraught sitting in his locker room yeah. taking a very long time and just kind of like sitting there playing candy crush or like bejeweled or one of those games yeah, where yeah, you got to yeah. match whatever or three yeah. in a row and then um he was just sitting there the whole time and like it took a long time for everyone to clear out the locker room whatever bismack came in whatever said hi to kyle yeah. And then at the end, I, Serge Ibaka came over and went up to Rondé. He's like, yo, listen, it happens to everybody. It's going to be okay. Just keep your head up. Everything's good. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that kind of perspective yeah. as, a, as a leader, as a veteran, as a champion, I thought Serge did a really good job with that. This yeah. Week. I think the bottom line is at the beginning of this season or like last year, we were, we were watching the clock waiting for Serge Ibaka's contract to run out so we could, we could move on from him in Toronto. And now I think there's a legitimate question as to like, well, like, can we bring him back? Do we bring him back? Does he come back to Toronto? Does he have – you know, does he go elsewhere because they're going to throw more money at him? Mm. Everything's back on the table. Yep. And it's like literally like two years ago, he was a statue in the playoffs. Like it's yep. wild to consider. Yep. No, he, he's improved so much. Yeah. Um, all right, next one, Norman Powell. So, Norm, I gave him an A on offense because yeah. really he was an A on offense this year. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a B plus on defense. 
A plus in his role and yeah. B plus in intangibles for an overall GPA three point eight. What grade did you give Norman Powell? I went all out with him. I gave him an A plus to be okay. With him. Wow, because wow. because uh, and and uh, you know Alex tweeted this the other day, and I think it sums up his season. He just kept scoring twenty points a game, and every time he got injured, you'd go, "Oh my god, I can't believe it! He's finally playing well." He'd come back from injury, and still be scoring twenty points a game. Yeah. So, like, that's exactly what the Raptors need him to do. Mm. And and insanely, every time he had the ball, it was like comforting. You were like, "Oh, oh yeah, yeah, Norm's gonna take care of this." And yeah. He, and he did. Yeah. I mean, that's that to me is that's all I ever wanted from Norman Powell, and he was doing it. Yeah, I was gonna say the only time ever I was like, "Look, let's we have to get the ball to Norman Powell," was against Milwaukee in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 2017 or 2019 yeah. Yeah. you know yeah. like both cases it applied but like yeah with norm there was just all this thing where you just didn't fully trust him and the way he came out at the start of the season wasn't that good right mm-hmm. like his first game of the year against uh the pelicans where everyone was scoring he has five points then seven yeah. then seven then four he has yeah. 19 then four then six and it's like oh my god it's norman powell over again nick nurse even said to himself you know what i mean like you're either oh, giving no. me you're either giving me yeah. 26 points or zero, dog. Like yeah. I, I need some yeah. consistency from you, man. You know what I mean? Um, and then yeah, he just was like, all right. After that game, I I really do think after Nick Nurse said that consistency comment, he went on this epic run, which lasted like basically two months because he got hurt in the middle of it as mm-hmm. well, and then he came mm-hmm. back. But yeah, I mean, it's just a shame he didn't stay healthy because damn, he was he was just incredible this year. If you look at his overall numbers, fourth on the team in scoring, 16.4 points per game, 50% from the field, 40% from 3, um, you know, it, it, even his assists were slightly up. Now, whatever, it's still 1.8, but still um his role but, really is before it was not much of a passer. Yeah. It, it's just the efficiency in his scoring and especially towards the end of the season was awesome. Like there were I could there was at least four or five games that the Raptors won solely because Norman Powell went Norman Powell and, and just mm-hmm. took over the team, you know? He 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 started to figure out ways to use his power and speed yeah. in such a way to, that he could finish at the rim, like he could just dunk over guys, which is something the Raptors don't like they don't necessarily have a ton of that. Mm-hmm. And like he would just get out there, but as, as you said, he'd be out of control sometimes. He'd just be flying around, you don't know what the hell he's doing. Yep. And now it's like he was like stop and go, speeding up, you know, powering past guys, finding angles, mm-hmm. making passes that he wasn't making before. And it was just like, and then he was, and Nurse made this comment too. It's like he he'd be like, we need you to hit this three, and he'd go ahead and hit it. Oh like, yeah, like he was like knocked down, like just taking care of business. Like I mean, what else can you say? This is one of the first years where they were like running specific plays to get mm-hmm. Norm a shot. Uh, and you know, one of the pet plays on the whole season for everybody was the hammer play. You know, they get a corner three off the mm-hmm. screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and they started running that from Norm, just like they would run it for Fred and Kyle. And mm-hmm. Norm was just as good as anybody else with yeah. that role. Like, there's really by this yeah. by season's end, there was a real argument to be made that Norm should have taken Fred's starting spot in in the starting lineup, which I still didn't fully agree with but at the start of the season i was like a hard disagree yes, yes. and as the season went on i'm like man this is real intriguing because he keeps coming in and, and doing it well i mean he yeah, won a he won a player of the week award for averaging 28 points per game like, in a whole week that's wild like, that's wild. Yeah, <laughs> it like, was, that's, like it's just out of nowhere yeah yeah and then the finishing to, to your point you know in terms of his recognition of the finishing it was just way better like he shot 68.3 percent between zero and three feet that's crazy. Like that's crazy because no guard old is like is at like whatever percentage, but he was not getting that. He's not not touching seventy. Yeah, exactly. 
it's it's so hard for a guard to do that. And he was able to, you know, I, I think it was a case of him making better reads. It was a mm-hmm. case of him growing confidence. And it was just a case of him, like, again, like, you know, it, it, at some point in life, you slow down, you kind of fi- you figure a couple of things out and get into this groove. And I feel like at 26, yeah. you know, that's usually when you hit your prime in life. So yeah. I can relate, you know. 26, you feel, okay. All right. Yeah. So, I'm, so I'm not only over the hill, I'm way over the hill. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, you're at that Marcus Saul stage, you know. Like, yes. oh, yeah. oh, believe me, I know. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes you'll my, put up. My a... hamstrings are toast right now. <laughs> They're done. If I ran right now, both my legs would explode. You, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, well, never forget that Marcus all hurt himself this year on a power walk. Yeah, it was the it was the, <laughs> it wasn't even classic, <laughs> it was the classic every every Raptors fan over the age of thirty five was like, uh, mm-hmm, yeah, uh huh, that's exactly it, man. Yeah, wow. Anyway, Norman Powell, great season. Yeah. Uh, hope he comes back, and I think the future of the future front court of Fred, Norm, OG, Pascal, or the future court, the future starting lineup, that's amazing. That's great. I'm very excited. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right, next guy on the list. Uh, Terrence Davis. So I oh. gave Terrence a B minus on offense, which felt a little generous, but still B minus C on defense, uh, B minus in his role and an A in his intangibles for our 2.9 GPA. Um, maybe a little harsh at times, but yes, what, what, what did you give? What did you give to Terrence? I gave Terrence a B and that's mostly because at times he felt like, uh, such a necessary player for the Raptors, and mm. he, uh, he amongst now we're getting when we start talking about these guys, he's one of the only guys where you're like, there is definite upside. Here. Oh yeah, where it's Definitely. like like where like in five years this guy could be like I mean uh, our guy Jacob Mack on uh, Raptors HQ, he has tweeted about written about he has gone on and on about Davis because he really feels like he gives you that rare combination that the Raptors don't quite have mm-hmm. in terms of, or, you know, especially at this age, uh, in terms of defensive ability and offensive ability inside, outside, everywhere you want to go. Mm-hmm. And as you said, inconsistent, maybe not always there yep. on both ends of the court, but then the, the highs are just like, you're like, this guy's an undrafted. Oh like, yeah. Nobody like, this is great. This is amazing. Yeah. The Raptors had, I think when I, they had seven players, to score thirty points or more, seven different players score thirty yeah. points or more. First wow. off, <laughs> this will this would have been freaking uh, inconceivable in the pound the rock era. All right, yeah, there yeah, wouldn't yeah, have yeah. been enough of the ball yeah. for anyone yeah. other than JV, Demar, and Kyle to have thirty mm-hmm. points. Right, yes. maybe Lou Williams will, will jack his oh, way sure. up to thirty, sure. but that's sure. about it. Right, yeah. Patrick Patterson ain't scratching no thirty. <laughs> okay, Corey <laughs> Joseph's not getting the thirty. Demar Carroll nope. not even playing thirty nope. minutes or thirty nope. games nope. in a season. Nope. You know what I mean? Like thirty is hard. For yeah. Terrence Davis to hit 30 already in his rookie year, incredible. That was that game that he had against the Bulls where the Raptors won by 27. He shot 12 of 15 from the field, including 6 yeah. of 7 from 3 for 31 points. Uh, incredible. But the highs for him were really good. And and here's another yeah. stat for you. The Raptors, when Terrence Davis scored 12 points or more, which happened 17 times, the Raptors were 17-0. and 0. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, and, like and when that, he was on, the Raptors won, period. And 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 yes, you could definitely you could definitely point to a bunch of games because mm-hmm. you said as you said seventeen and zero. So those other times, the other whatever forty times when he wasn't scoring that much, mm. uh, or however many it was, fifty times. Obviously, he was. There were some games there where he totally disappeared, and you could tell right away that Nick Nurse was not interested in trying to give him a chance. And yep. and that's fair. That's fair. Like he's not he's not like that player yet. Mm-hmm. But but I mean I, I wrote I wrote in some of the notes I had here is like. He put up 28 versus Brooklyn. Yep. Remember, remember that game near the end there against the Bucks where he looked at went at Chris Middleton. Oh yeah. Just, yeah. And like he was and like and like he was just going at him. Like mm-hmm. just like, like this guy is a nobody. Like yeah. like well, supposed to be. 
No, but you know what I mean? Like it's just, it's, yeah. it's just, and then like, you know, like obviously the Warriors aren't uh, the Warriors of old, but like, like just no matter the context, the ball would come to him and he would just try and make something happen. Yeah. And like we have guys, the Raptors have guys right now that are still sort of thinking, thinking about what to do when they get the ball. Mm. Whereas Davis is like, yeah, oh, sure. All right. I'm going to try and dunk it. Yeah. See, that's the thing. Like I gave him a B minus in his role. Really? It's kind of, would, it's normal power thing, really. It's inconsistency. Yeah. If he was giving you a more consistent effort, um, then yeah. I think it, it, this will be much better. Because I, I do think that he, for what his, his role was, which was kind of eighth man, like it was pretty good in the role. It yeah. was just inconsistency. Like he would have, yeah. like he had like 12 points this year with zero points. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just, it's, it's hard. You know what I mean? And there yeah. were a lot of games where he would come in and kind of be lost. But, that comes part and parcel with the rookie. And, and yeah. part of the reason why I gave him an A in terms of intangibles was two reasons. One, he was healthy for the whole year, which for yes. a rookie is really hard to do. Yeah. But he maintained his fitness, uh, mm-hmm. n- never really suffered an injury. I think his game really, even though he's very explosive and athletic, he doesn't, he doesn't really lend himself to getting injured. You know what I mean? There's not enough. That's, yes. There's some players where the way they play, you know they're going to be injury prone. Terrence, I don't think he's going to do that, even uh, though he uh, goes to the rim. I'll say two things about that. One is I think that, and this point has been made elsewhere, the football background really mm-hmm. taught him how to use his physicality. He yeah. is tough and he's definitely not afraid of contact, but also I think he's good at like absorbing contact and not being reckless because yep. he knows that from the football sense, if you're reckless, you get killed. Yep. So I think there's definitely, you're not going to see him uh, sprawling all over the floor all the time or, or flying into guys at weird angles like, like poor, like, like Boucher who always feels like he's going to break in half. Yeah. It's like, no, it's like Davis, he's a little more rock solid than that. Yeah. Well, I mean, Boucher's built like a slinky, so it's, it's hard sure, to injure him. Sure, that doesn't help, but there's these times where he's, like, bending backwards, and you're like, this guy's going to just just get, you know, yeah. jackknifed, you know? Yeah. Anyway. Um, and then the, the other reason I gave Terrence, uh, aside from his durability as a rookie, which is super impressive, is that his confidence, you know what I mean? That's where, as a rookie, he didn't really shoot like a rookie. He didn't act like a rookie. Mm-hmm. He had inconsistency like a rookie, but his approach to the game, in terms of his aggressiveness, especially offensively, was really, really, mm-hmm. really good. Mm-hmm. Defensively, he had a lot of moments where he was lost, and that's why I gave him um, a C, which honestly could have been even lower. He, he really did have some real moments of uh, questionable decision-making. But overall, like a really good rookie season for him. Um for Terrence, and again, I'm super excited as you are yeah. to see what he develops into. He's yeah. a great piece to have. Uh, next guy on the list, Rondé Hollis Jefferson. <laughs> I gave him a D on on offense. I, 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 it could be even lower, but honestly, a D I think is fair. Okay, B, B plus defensively. All right, he yeah. was good on defense for sure. B minus in his role, and a B in intangibles for an overall 2.5 GPA. What was your uh, Rondé Hollis Jefferson assessment? So I had him at B at this point in the season, and I, if I recall, I think in the midseason I gave him, I think either the opening, I think it was the midseason, mm. I gave him an A, an A or something because his because it because in that stretch of games he filled in and played bigger minutes and then yep. actually played to a few of his strengths, which are like sort of loosely playing with the ball in his hands, facilitating a, out of a few different actions, mm. and then being able to defend like every position, including centers that were much bigger than him. Mm. So. Uh, like I have to give him credit for that. On offense, though, sometimes like he's got to be one of the worst offensive players I've ever seen play. I, I don't. Know. <laughs> no, come like, on. I think, no. no, but I mean, I just, I just because because not because he's got a bit of that. He's got it's, 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 it, the, the problem is twofold. He's not mm-hmm. a very good shooter, obviously, and he's not a very uh, good finisher. But then on top of that, he also has like the confidence of a guy who who thinks he can do all these things. Mm. So he sometimes is in a situation where he is trying to do all these things. And you're just like. <laughs> Okay, but it's clearly like 
he has the opposite of Pat McCaw's problem. McCaw probably has more ability than he thinks, but mm. he refuses to show it. Okay. Whereas Jefferson has less, yet he goes out there and tries to do all these things. You're just like, all right, that's enough. Slow down. Stop. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. That, that with me watching Ryder Hall Jefferson has been a lot of yeah. It's yeah just yeah. stop it, man. Like you can see <laughs> what are you in doing? the play- you can see in the playoffs his minutes were going to probably disappear, mm-hmm. and the only use he would have is like as a spot like right. defensive specialist because he because he could be that. You could definitely oh, yeah. put, you could put him in a situation where they switch anything and just have him guarding every position. That'd be great. Yeah, but on offense he would be such a zero, and the only plays you could really run with him are that insane high pick and roll they would do with him and Lowry. Mm-hmm. And like I don't know whatever those weird like I can't even think of them they're too ugly. It's like but that's it. He, he, there was no other place for him to go. Right. So I mean, here's the thing with Rondé. Like he really did fulfill his role really well yeah. at many points in the season. Right. Like especially at the start of the year when 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 Serge went down, Kyle went down. They had to yeah. do all those weird little defenses. He did a lot in terms of defensively at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, his defense against Kawhi Leonard that game where Kawhi I think had like eleven turnovers. Like mm-hmm. I mean, man, Kawhi is a very steady player. For him to have eleven mm-hmm. turnovers is kind of crazy. Um, and you know, it's just he had a lot of good moments this year. It's just like, but it, it, one of the reasons I knocked him in his role was just it, it's just he didn't have a role for a lot of the season. You know what I mean? Like, that's a real concern to me, right? And he couldn't really hold down a steady spot. Yeah. Um, you know, Nick kind of went at him at the start of the year and then was a little bit more fair, but definitely throughout the year talked a lot about how much he was hesitant about Rondé. You know, and, and it, the, the times where Rondé really thrived was like um, when the Raptors were dire. Like when he had to play center, for example. And it's like, yeah. all right, you're, you're playing center tonight against Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah, uh, yeah, which rest in peace to Carl Anthony Towns' mom. The, the yeah, whole, it's, it seems crazy. like a huge tragedy, uh, yeah. and, and that's unfortunate. But like, I don't know why I'm just skipping through this. But anyway, <laughs> I was gonna say, well, that's a huge but, plot, but okay, yeah. in terms of just basketball, like yeah, yeah. like Rondé like played Carl Anthony Towns to a standstill at center. Up. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. So Rondé had a lot of these highs. Of course, he was part of the thirty point comeback as well. Mm-hmm. But that, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> The thing with that is, and this is the this is a slippery slope, and and I think you could say the same thing about Ibaka, and sometimes even Davis as well. They play, they they show, they have a lot of uh, uh, enthusiasm and confidence, mm-hmm. and that can sometimes build them up. Where then they start making some really good plays, mm-hmm. sometimes a sequence of plays. But there's always that moment where then they go too far. Yep. And so and I think Rondé is that is a quintessential player in that regard, where he'll make a good defensive play, and you go, yeah, solid. Mm. Then he'll come down the floor the other way and he'll try like a post up on something. You're just like, no, stop. What are you doing? <laughs> and it's like, but you can tell yeah. how it feeds the other. Mm-hmm. And that's the challenge, I think, where you have to you have to realize that like, okay, you're just because you did that doesn't mm-hmm. mean now you this. And and he has to sort of figure that out. And and you're right. I don't know if I don't know necessarily if he can figure it out or if the Raptors are gonna need him to figure it out in the future. Yeah. Yeah. And he's so- got one more one more year, like on a player option. Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. Actually, I think it might just be on a one-year deal. Let me just okay. quickly look this up yeah. on Basketball Reference, uh, invaluable tool for bloggers yes. and writers. Yeah, yeah, he's on a one-year contract, so he's yeah. he's an unrestricted free agent. Yeah. Um, we'll see. Okay. I mean, I don't think it necessarily changed his value one way or the other, but I, no. I, I think he was a contributor to the team for sure, mm-hmm. and especially he had a lot of good highs like uh, in, in this mm-hmm. season, right? And so. It's kind of a mixed bag with Rondé, to be honest. I, I think it's it's harder for a younger guy to accept that, that his his role, and whenever he did accept his role, he did really well in it. Yeah. So it's really just yeah. if he can really come to accept that role over time. I think, and I think that's exactly it. And I think I think 
uh, in the future, unlike some of the other guys we're about to get to, I could see him being a guy who like on a good team. I think mm-hmm. he, I think really he can only play on good teams and, right, he, right, and, right. and have a clear hierarchy and where they say to him, this is what you're doing. And I think in the future, he could be that guy who like, yes, he might be the 10th man on a, on a very good team that, that is championship bound where he yeah. has a little role, maybe he doesn't play very much, but he knows his, his strengths and he mm-hmm. knows his weaknesses and that's enough. Whereas, like I said, some of these guys we're going to get to here, who knows? Who knows? Right. Yeah. Let's get to those guys. Chris yeah, Boucher. Right. Uh, I gave him a C on defense, on offense, a B minus on defense, C plus in his role, C plus in intangibles, 2.3 overall in his GPA. To yeah. be honest with Boucher, I mean, what did you give him first off? I gave him a B minus. Okay. Uh, um, but, but yeah, he, that could easily slide into a C. Mm. Um, and it's, and he is probably the hardest guy to really consider because I think he has such clear limitations yep. in his game, and I don't know if that if it'll ever really. If he was twenty one, you go okay. Let's see where this guy can go. He's twenty six, like going on twenty seven, I think now, yep. and it's like I don't know what else you can do with him. Yeah, well, okay. So this is the thing with Boucher. He definitely had many moments where he was incredibly effective. Mm-hmm. Right, and I think maybe we can say this about all the bench guys, where they were kind of inconsistent, and maybe they're inconsistent because they're bench guys, whatever. But it, it, it was a lot of inconsistency for him. You know, in the games where he did play a lot of minutes, um, he generally did okay. Like that Phoenix game, for example, very recently. Yes. You know, yes. yeah. uh, he had 19 points, 15 rebounds. Started the game. Rondé started the game at center. Nick Nurse halfway through decided, you know what, uh, Boucher's better. But that's mm-hmm. the thing. He. Even when when Mark and Serge were out, they still started Rondé. Yeah, because yeah. and it's not even like Nurse necessarily trusted Rondé so much. It's just that Boucher is just a little hard to depend on him. But when he did play well, he played really well. Um, he had a lot of great moments. Um, obviously, a, a, you know, can definitely be a shot blocker for a big man. He can block shots at the three point line, which is super mm-hmm, rare. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and it's kind of a, you know, in terms of the way the Raptors play through their centers, Serge is a, a mid-range kind of pick and pop, you know, can extend to the three-point line of, sometimes. Mark, obviously, strictly pick and pop, passing the ball. And then Boucher's the only guy who actually goes to the basket and yeah. courageously attacks it. And I thought Boucher actually did okay in that courageously, front, Courageously, yes, yes. It takes a lot of courage, buddy. Yes, he's, yeah. he's like maybe 190 pounds. Yeah, I, I, this is, I think, the the issue is I don't know what position he really plays. I, I, I if in a in a like he, in one sense, he, the best position for him would be center because he's he would out quick and could out, theoretically outshoot a lot of centers. Mm. But uh, but then he gets bullied, just totally bullied yeah. in, in some matchups. Yeah. and you could sort of, and you could sort of argue, well, how often is he gonna like how often is he gonna go up against that kind of matchup? True, but. Like you know, is there a future where he plays power forward next to someone else? Maybe does he? Can he pair with Siakam in the future? I, like I feel like that's a really small front line. I don't it's know. It's real I, small, I, yeah. Yeah, like I, I, I don't think I think, like kind of like Rondé, very confident, uh, tries to do stuff that he maybe shouldn't do, but he but sometimes it works. Mm. And then every so often, yeah, because of sometimes it's because of who he's playing with. Like Lowry makes him look great, for example. Just oh, like yeah. Lowry yep. made every center look great. Yep. You know, I mean, uh, but I don't know if he has, unlike with someone like, let's go with like Nogueira, he, Boucher oh, yeah, doesn't yeah. really, he doesn't really have that like passing gene. His shooting is like kind of comes and goes. And sometimes he's open because they want him to shoot it. Oh, like, he, almost well, always he's open yeah, because they want to uh, shoot yeah. it. But he, you know what? He wants to shoot it. So no, 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 that, that, know. yeah, to his benefit, to his credit, he does want to shoot it. But then yeah. it's like, yeah, it's like he's shooting 30% or whatever. So it's like, yeah, they're happy with that. 
Uh-huh. I, it's a big question mark because I, I could definitely see the Raptors just saying, you know what, not really, not really sort of worth the investment anymore. We try, we, you know, we gave it a shot. Uh, it's time to move on. Mm. But then he could go to another team, and then and you know we could see him putting up a double double because he gets more minutes or something. I don't. That's know. true. No, he has talent. He definitely has talent. Yeah. He just has you know clear limitations. But yeah. um, I think working within the frame of work of his limitations, he did pretty well this yeah. year. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's, it, it, they're just such significant limitations. Yeah. Uh, next guy, Pat McCaw. I gave him an F on offense, which is the only F I, well, actually, that's not true. There's a m- multiple, <laughs> multiple Fs here, but he got, he got an F on offense. He got a B on defense, uh, mm-hmm. incomplete on, in role and incomplete in intangibles for me. Wow. One, I, for an overall 1.5. Um, maybe part of it was unfair because I think maybe I gave him okay let's start with the role offensively give him an F I think it's pretty clear he's an F like it's for a guard you need to produce more than you know what it is but having said that in terms of just the role I gave him incomplete because I didn't really feel like what was the right role for Pat McCaw this year because it was it was always an argument on social media and and everywhere about what Mm -hmm. Pat McCaw was supposed to be doing and people were always upset I kind of try to defend him many times because I really thought, like, look, it's it's not all entirely his fault. He doesn't choose mm-hmm. the minutes he plays. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, for you, if you were a nurse, with McCaw specifically, what are you doing with your role? The I love that you went with the incompletes there. I mm-hmm. You could have gone with gigantic question marks because yeah, it, yeah, feels yeah. Like, it feels like the entire season. That's why people were talking about this so much. It felt like so many things about the Raptors were were settled. Mm. And, and or they made sense in some way or the other. Yep. Like yeah, like even the even the wild inconsistencies of like Boucher, Rondé, Davis, they made sense. They were quantifiable. Whereas like Macaw, you're always just like, what is like first a nurse is like going out of his way, uh-huh. he went out of his way multiple times yep. to praise him. Yep. Then also like when he's there playing, you're like, what is nurse seeing that we're not seeing? I, mm-hmm. I and, and and then also then and literally as we were, we would be asking that question. He would like make a huge play or put up a you know put up a double double out of nowhere, and then you're like, oh okay, it's that. Mm. So he'll do that next game, and then he would disappear again. Yeah, I don't know. I gave him a D plus because okay, I, at the end of the at the beginning of the season, the end of the season, I'm still like, I see his utility. Mm. I see what theoretically he can do. Mm-hmm. I I I just don't know if he's ever going to actually do it. Yeah, I mean, look, I think he has clear strengths. I think defensively, mm-hmm. he definitely can do things. He's um. As a playmaker, he can pass a little bit. He can handle a little bit. He got stripped a couple times in, mm-hmm. in crunch time, which people hated in the OKC game, in the Hawks yeah. game as well. And he, and he let guys walk past him, like in that in that late Phoenix game. Ricky Rubio was roasting him, and it's like, yeah. well, I, I, I yeah. mean, I mean, you know what? To it, to his credit, he's pressuring up on the guards more sure. than almost anybody on the team. So sure. b- blow by is almost in a sense is is essential. Um, it just comes with the territory. So but, do you pressure on Ricky Rubio is the question. Like, well, are they tough to do that? Or <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Just, or is he just doing it? Like, I mean, I, we fair enough. No mystery. Fair enough. No, no. I look. I, I. It's hard to. Yeah, hard to. Um, hard to categorize him. I mean, look, his last game of the season against Utah, I thought he was good. Plus twenty one, mm-hmm. he starts because Norm suffers an ankle injury like a minute and a half in. He plays forty two minutes and thirty seven seconds. He has two points. You know what I mean? But he's a plus 21. Like, what is going yeah. on? You know what I mean? So, I'm just thinking of that, like, he's, he's a confusing player, man. He Boston, really is. Is it the Boston game where he went, like, 13-11? Yep. And, he, and he put up – and, like, some of those assists were, like, you know, taking oh, yeah. out guys, making play. You're just like, what the hell? Do this every night. Yeah. Can't, can't do it. And well, that's against a good defensive team. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, he had 18-7-8. and eight. 
against the Celtics on 8 of 12 shooting in 42 minutes and 52 seconds in a 16 point win on the road. That, that doesn't make any sense. None of that, yeah. none of those numbers that you just said made any sense. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I mean, it was confusing it for McCall. I mean, I'm, I'm still kind of interested to see how he develops, though, because I do think he has enough tools where if he's put in the right context, if he develops mm-hmm. a couple of things, if his confidence comes along, he could be a very useful player. And I think the Raptors feel that way too, because he's on a two-year yeah. deal, so he's, he's on the yeah. team next year. So apparently, yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll and get to do this all over again. That's something to look forward to at the end of quarantine. Yeah. Exactly. And then for intangibles, I had him for incomplete only because he's really a lucky charm for winning championships. He literally has not been on an NBA season where he hasn't won a championship. Yeah. So it's incomplete because you know mm-hmm. the playoffs haven't happened yet. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt Thomas, a very interesting option here. I, I gave him a C plus on offense, a D on defense, C in his role. And B minus in intangibles for an overall GPA of 2.0. I considered going the propaganda route, making this funny, but I, I think this is just realistic. I mean, mm-hmm. he was a shooter. He came in, shot, didn't shoot enough, which is why he's only C plus. Mm-hmm. Defensively, not good. Um, but yeah. you know, it was okay. It was fine. Uh, I mean, I I went with a B. Uh, maybe that's too a B? high. For yeah, what? maybe that's too high. Well, for because what? I felt because I felt like. As you said, he's a shooter and he shot. And okay, there were some games. I know, I know, I know. And there were some games there where, like when they, when they, the Raptors would sort of open things up for him a little bit, and and he would he would make teams pay. But you're yeah. right. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe there's a little too, maybe there's a little too aggressive in terms of like his defense. He's trying hard on defense, but he's not good. Yeah, yeah. And I, I do think there are some other intangibles he brings. I think he's probably a better ball handler and playmaker than we give him credit for because he never yeah, really chance to true. do it. And he's actually a pretty good rebounder, which is, mm. you know, you wouldn't really think that's the case, but he, but he is solid. But mm. I think his utility is fairly obvious in some, especially when the Raptors were in some of those shorthanded games where they needed zone breakers, mm. and like Thomas, they'd get him loose, and it's like he was getting more and more comfortable in that role. Uh, again, I, where else can you go with him? I don't know. Maybe he just becomes a guy you just have there, like a like a you know, they, like the old like Steve Novak role where he he wouldn't play, and then in a close situation, you just bring him out there to try and hit a three. Mm. I mean, <laughs> it's good that you mentioned Steve Novak. It was very reminiscent of Steve Novak's season and when he was yeah. briefly on the Raptors yeah. in twenty thirteen fourteen, but. Look, with Matt, I just think he needed to get more opportunities to shoot. You know what I mean? Not necessarily, yeah. Maybe it's on Nurse to like give him more opportunities. Sure. Maybe it's on him to find more opportunities. I think it's more on Matt than it is on Nurse, whatever. But, um, I mean, look, when he did shoot the ball, when he did have a chance to shoot, he was freaking amazing. He shot yeah. 46.7% yeah. from three on the season. So on the highest marks on in the NBA. Yeah. He just needs to do it more often, man. Only 75 attempts. In 33 games, so he's only shooting like roughly like two two point five a game. Like that's well, that's not enough. This is the thing though, and this is where we get into. It's funny that we're mentioning Novak because the other at the other end of the scale, there's Capono, Jason Capono, where yeah, yeah, yeah. well, this is figured, not Capono. Come on, no, no, no. But what I'm getting at is he factored in in a lot in the Raptors' offense, but then because he was so bad defensively, it was like mm-hmm. a net net negative. So there's, it's finding that balance, and I right. think you could maybe argue that the Raptors could maybe survive because they're so good defensively elsewhere. They could survive more of his minutes and use him more because they can cover up for his his deficiencies. But I also think he's a harder worker mm. on defense than Capono ever was, and and probably more than Novak. Although Novak, I guess, was bigger, so he had some value there. Obviously. Yeah, but Novak couldn't even handle. He couldn't really move no, around no, right. that much. That's what I'm saying. Well, this is what I'm getting at. So I feel like there is a little bit there where you could start kind of see what other things he could maybe do for the team, mm. and putting him with a bunch of plus defenders suddenly makes that 
his the hole in the lineup maybe not as bad. Mm. But I mean, I don't know. That's not for that's let let Nurse figure that out. Yeah, if I'm going to read too much into something, uh, him shooting 19 or 36 from two point range for the whole season. It's actually kind of good, considering if you think about it, what easy two-point shot is is Matt Thomas ever going to get, right? Even if he's hitting layups and stuff like that, they're going to be contested. He's not going to yeah. have the athleticism to finish, really. Yeah. At least this is what you would think. And then, you know, it, besides that, it's just mid-range shots or whatever. But I thought actually on the whole, when he did come off that screen and took one step in and took a leaning jumper and stuff like that, he had enough skills there where he can mm-hmm. hit some of these tougher mm-hmm. shots that you kind of need to do. When you're in this role, like a JJ Reddick, for example, takes mm-hmm. tons of difficult shots, right. but he's skilled enough where he can make them, and it changes the way defenses have to guard him. Yes. It makes yes. it makes everything uh, it opens things up for teammates, and I think that's really the next step for him. Really, is yes. just like get comfortable with forcing more of his offense because he can actually do it. You know, and so now the question is, then can he become like I'm gonna I'm gonna? It's interesting you mentioned Reddick. I mm. won't even say like Corver because I think Corver is like six seven. He's so like, yeah, like, yeah. I won't I won't put him in that. But Reddick and him are, let's say, I don't want to say comparable, but relatively comparable. Yeah, the size could, is similar. Could could Thomas get to there? Could he get to mm-hmm. a position where his two-man game ability, his shooting ability is good enough that even though he's a liability on defense, he can he can be a factor? Could he get there? I, I think that's the goal, right? But it, it's a long way to get there. First off, J.J. Reddick was like 30 points per game in college. Oh, no, no, I know. And, I know. And, and, and yeah. you know, Matt Thomas was good in college, but it was like, you know, 10, 15 points at most. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, I think with, with Reddick, that was really important is just that he had this sort of like uh, maniacal like well, first off, he was a little maniacal because he was from Duke, all right. But sure. then, but he was also kind of maniacal in the sense that he worked really hard to mm-hmm. get to where he is. Like if you look at the way he takes care of his body, really, mm-hmm. really strong guy for a guy who's really small. He yeah. takes his work really seriously, and Matt is also low key strong as well. But you know, to get yeah. that sort of that that you know, the, the stronger you get, like you know, you get more separation. Yes. Um, and you can sort of not necessarily withstand more contact, but just like you know, he also had. Reddick also had like a little bit of jumping ability too to get more in the yes. air to get a little higher to get the shot off. So these are small things that I think really you know um, you know Matt can sort of work on. But and, and, and totally fair that he won't get there. Mm-hmm. But I'm just wondering how you know basically the question is how close can he get to that? If he can get closer, then you're looking at a useful player, mm-hmm. and you know my, and my B makes sense. Yeah. Basically. Well, I mean, I, I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, I, I think he works really hard. I think he, he's mm-hmm. trying to work on his game. I think, generally speaking, he's a pretty confident person, um, even maybe a low-key about it. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, look, the, the only thing I want to challenge, uh, you know, Matt is uh, next season or whenever this season starts or next season, um, go go out there and get your first career block, man. I, I'm looking at the whole season right now. He played 33 games, had zero blocks total. You got to get one, man. <laughs> that's a fun. That's a fun stat. Trying to figure out how many players played con- considerable minutes with the fewest amount of blocks or yeah. zero blocks. Like how many shooters? Like what's well, the like on the? If you did a search of like forty plus forty percent three point shooting and zero blocks for their career. Anyway, well, maybe I mean, that doesn't exist. Andrew Wiggins has already played like five oh, seasons now. So. <laughs> yeah, he's never shot forty percent from three. Has he? <laughs> no, definitely not. Definitely not. He's a, no. definitely a thirty three kind of guy. Yeah. Um, all right. So Matt Thomas, Malcolm Miller. Uh, man, it's hard to grade some of these guys because they don't really play. Love uh, Malcolm Miller, but... I mean, I gave him an F on offense. Yeah. I gave him a D-plus on defense. Maybe that's a low, low. Uh, a D in his role, a C in his intangibles for overall GPA 1.1. To be honest, the grades here don't even make don't even make sense. Oh. They don't even really matter because, like, again, you just didn't see enough of them play. Didn't really play much in the G League this year. Um, 
he got an. Uh, I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. How would you grade Malcolm Miller? I felt like everything he did this year, aside from being in the comeback, the thirty point comeback, yeah. was kind of yeah. inconsequential. He doesn't they, have any other moments. Basically, there are two games. There's the comeback where he got to be part of the press, and then there's like a uh, a game against the I think it was the Knicks where they were up by a lot, and he hit like four threes out of nowhere. Uh, unfortunately, I have to give Miller an F. I, I think Miller is a really nice guy. He's one of the cool guys in the locker room, really mm-hmm. chill and and sort of always very friendly. And I I can sort of see what the Raptors sort of saw in him mm-hmm. on, and why they like to have him around. I mean, if you're gonna have a if you're gonna have a 14th, 15th man, might might as well be a nice guy. But this was supposed to be the year where either he he proved it or didn't. Mm-hmm. And I think his G League play and his NBA play has been absent. Yeah, just absent, and it's just like by this point in the G League, he should have been like, you know, the focal point of the team or something. Right, right. He, you know, and he's already being he's already being supplanted by other guys. So yeah. it's just like, well, I, I can't see the the Raptors turning around and being like, we need this guy because what did he do this year? He couldn't. He wasn't even hitting threes. I mean. Yeah, no, I mean, he had one. He first off, he only hit threes in three total games. One yeah. of those games was the Knicks game. He shot four or five. But then yeah. he made two threes outside of that. Didn't really play much, even in garbage time. Really didn't assert himself. Like yeah. I don't know, man. It's it's hard to guard. It's hard to like, I don't know, rate a season yeah. like this. But when you don't have any moments, really, yeah. then well, then that's what it, can you really do, right? And I, I can remember. I can't remember what the game it was. I don't even remember if the Raptors won or lost. But he was on the he was on the floor, and then and it got a got a, cu- a couple of chances to hit yep. big threes, and then missed mm-hmm. both of them, and literally Nurse took him out, and it's like. There's your moment. Like, there's yeah. your moment. If you don't hit those shots, I mean, yeah, it's tough. It's a tough way to live, for sure, right, but, right. Like, but I mean, you got to do it. If you're going to be a 3-and-D guy, the 3 comes into that, and if you don't hit it, well, mm-hmm. sorry, that's it, right? So, in that sense, i got to give him an F just because I, his role was very minimal, and he did not even yeah. like do that role, so... Well, I mean, look, listen. You, you summed it up when you said his his uh, he's he's very nice. Like that that's that's yeah. the elite NBA score right now. Yeah. Um, but which is look, I, I he could improve, but it just he didn't really show much this yeah. year. Yeah. Um, Dewan Hernandez, give him an incomplete because he didn't sure. play. He <laughs> just had a ankle injury, and it just took his whole year. It's, it's unfortunate, yeah. um, you know. But like, hopefully, he plays more next year. I guess he played four total games this year. Uh, uh, there's no point in uh, judging this yeah, at, at yeah. all. So the last mystery guy, injury. what's that? I said mystery injury, that ankle. Injury oh yeah. yeah. Just, uh, just like, just I've never seen that before anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the last guy, the, the last player before we, we finish the podcast with Nick nurse and I guess the general coaching staff, but the last guy, Stanley Johnson, this is real tough for me, man. I'm going to go F on offense, D on defense, F in his role and C plus and intangibles, low key and intangible season for Stanley. Seemed like nice everyone guy. liked him. Nice guy. Yeah, uh, I'll say that voluntarily going to the G League, even though you were like yep. a top ten pick, and mm-hmm. you know did not and and whatever in your fourth league, uh, fourth year, like the fact that he was like, yeah, sure, I'll go down and try and work on my game a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's nice. Yeah. Uh, other and, than that, and that's, though, that shows imperative to improve. And honestly, not that this is somehow a good reason to judge anybody, but on the occasional times when you walk into practice and uh, they're you know, doing drills and they're 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 playing one on one, which is what happens yeah. often. Stanley actually looked quite good on one on one. This is this is all I have for his season. Okay. <laughs> so this is what I'll say about Stanley Johnson. He 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 looks like he should be way better. And and I mm. somewhere along the line his confidence got totally shot. Because mm. a couple of years ago it felt like he was at least I keep thinking of that Detroit series where he like did a number on LeBron 
in terms of was it am I misremembering? Wasn't he guarding LeBron for much yeah, of that? Well, he, like, he said, "I'm I'm definitely in LeBron's head as a rookie." Yeah, now uh, that's probably debatable, but at the same time, it's like, <laughs> the point is he had the skill, the the speed uh-huh. and strength. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he he gave Kawhi trouble the year before, like last yep, year. Yep. And it's like, and you're looking at him going like, okay, that's a useful skill. Mm-hmm. That's something. And then this year, he just was totally out to lunch. He didn't I'll play. Never, I'll never forget that game against. Uh, I guess it was the Lakers where 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 the ball got swung to him, ISO against Anthony Davis, and Nurse just called a timeout. Like I'm not even gonna try. I'm not even gonna try to see how this plays out. So it's just like, yeah, I, I can't uh, I can't give him anything but an F. Yeah. Just like they they bet on him that he could be maybe a useful wing, mm. and it's clear like I think they had more confidence in like O'Shea Brissett Brissett than, mm. than than Johnson by the end of the year. Yeah. It. No, it's true. It's true. O'Shea Brissett had some real moments. Yeah. And Stanley Johnson didn't. Um, no, I, I don't know, man. Do you? I mean, so he's on a two-year deal, so he's yeah. he's under contract that, next year. It's get gu- wrong. It's guaranteed. I mean, I, I don't even mind holding it just because it's a salary you can move. But yeah, sure. it's, it's unfortunate. You know, I I I wasn't necessarily expecting Stanley to make um just turn it around because he hasn't really been a great NBA player at any point yet. Mm-hmm. But. I just thought coming into the Raptors development system, he would come in, really sharpen his skills. And the yeah. Raptors make something of everybody. And it's just unfortunate it didn't work out for Stanley. So that that is, again, why I have to give him a bad mark, just because mm-hmm. these other guys, like you know, Rondé, Boucher, like they made something of mm-hmm. their role where you could sort of see how they could fit. And right. Johnson had a better pedigree than all of them. Yeah. is by far the worst of them. I, I, I don't know what else to say about it than that. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I, yeah. I still, um, I'm, maybe I'm still holding a hope because he still is only 23 years old. Yes, yeah, that's fair. He's nice like, guy too. Nice guy too. Also yeah. a nice guy. Really yeah. interesting guy. Like he has a lot of interest and stuff like that. But uh, again, like it's just in a basketball perspective for the Raptors this year, wasn't really there for him. Uh, mm-hmm. Last guy, re- I mean, I don't know. Do you, do you have any interest in uh, O'Shea or um, Paul, O'Shea, Paul Watson, Shamori Pons? Uh, no, those guys know. But uh, Brissett, I did give a grade to a C because I felt like he did what he was supposed to do. He came in and gave energy and mm-hmm. was working very hard. And I, I, I feel like now when, when you look at the churn at the bottom of the roster, he has maybe put himself on their radar as a guy that they could – Maybe he becomes like the Malcolm Miller, the fourteenth, fifteenth guy, yeah. and they try and see what they have with him. Because look, he 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 played some reasonable minutes and and made an impact. And oh, I mean, he plays. I, he's more. He puts more of an imprint on the game than Malcolm Miller does. That's one. Right. Of the, the one thing I would right. knock Malcolm for, because obviously it's hard to criticize a guy who doesn't play. He's just freaking invisible for most yeah. of the time he is out there. Yeah. Whereas with O'Shea, he's going in for offensive rebounds. He's trying to finish. It, it doesn't go in necessarily, but like. The, the will yeah. is there, you know. Our 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 our, our G League guy, our nine hundred five guy, JD Carante, was writing about him all year and sort of said that by the end of the year he had developed more of more more confidence and more more skills, and that his play wasn't just about going full speed all the time in the G mm-hmm. League. It was, he was starting to develop different things, different elements to it. Right. And again, I mean, whether that translates back to the NBA, I don't know, but at least he's. Someone that maybe the Raptors now will say, okay, let's see what you got for next year. Right. Let's see if that goes in there. And it might be nothing, but that's that's more than than where we are with some of these guys. Right. And then Paul Watson apparently did well in the G League. Can't can't say yeah. I watched a lot of G League this year. Yeah. Uh, if you, yeah, you, yeah. yeah. Go, go look it for Blake, Murf- team, Blake Murphy, I, I, ODC, all right? The bottom line with him is that teams, NBA teams are interested in him. Yeah. He came up and down a couple times, so it's like, okay. But that could be like Nigel Hayes. Remember Nigel Hayes who was like up and down? Oh, yeah, yeah that's right. right. Right, so it's like yeah, it could be Raptors one of those, legend. Uh, yeah, it could be one of those things where he's around for a bit, but and he's on a couple of teams jumping around, but it might be nothing. But 
you know, more power to him. Good luck. Yeah, exactly. And then lastly, Nick Nurse and his wonderful uh, coaching staff. To be honest, uh, I, first off, obviously you can't give the same grades. Well, actually, maybe you can. I guess you can give offense, defense, um, yeah, and things like that. But I thought, yeah, offensively, I would say A minus. You know, he, I think he made the most out of this season. Obviously, a lot of injuries, a lot of players coming into new roles. It's a little difficult. Raptors on the season, kind of upper half of average, but still kind of average. Mm-hmm. Defensively, obviously A plus, maybe A plus plus, because to get the Raptors in the second defensively is, is, is incredible. And then just overall, you know, this is an A. So the coaches have us an A. I mean, yeah. I, I think you agree. I gave him an A and 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 much the same way. Like there are some times where you'd sort of question what he's doing, a couple of things, the Pat McCaw thing and like yeah. why don't you do this a little more, that a little less. But we're we're really that's really like splitting hairs. I mean, to my mind, he's the coach of the year. I don't mm. know how I don't know how he wouldn't have won the award when you look right. at where the Raptors are, where they should have been, where they could have been, mm. you know, all the injuries and just the the, the the air of confidence he he projects around the team, right? Uh, that I think is very very positive. Yeah, and you know, and big shout out to his development, his just whole coaching staff as well. Because if you look at the Raptors' development system this year, a shiny example. If you look at, um, you know, Pascal taking another step up, Fred taking another step up, OG taking another step up, Norm taking a step up. You know, it's it's unbelievable. A, a rookie like Terrence Davis coming in, even Chris Boucher, low key taking a step up as well. Like the fact that all this stuff happened and the coaching staff was here to oversee the development and work with the guys, you know, everything like that, uh, is, is very impressive. So, you know, like just to the whole coaching staff, like just a really well, really, really good uh, you know, mm-hmm. job done. Yeah. Um, you know, Pat Matumbo out here making paintings. Sure. Um, Adrian Griffin listening to old school R and B. Yeah. Uh, what else? Sergio, Sergio Scargolo with big ties. Those. Oh awesome- yeah. Yeah. The fat yeah, ties. The fat ties. I don't. Yeah. I don't understand those, man. You gotta explain that. You know, he's a he's a fellow paisan. I mean, you're yeah. maybe a paisan. I don't know, but uh, can you explain the fat ties? Like, was no, that the fashion just, back in Milan? No, just, like, what's going on? Well, I'm not gonna look. If he he pulls it off, he's wearing it. Okay. More parts him. Uh, like I said, I, I can't speak to the highs and lows of Italian fashion, but uh-huh. I do respect Sergio Scariolo, and I think, uh, yeah, it's it's really hard to pick apart. I mean the the team the coaching staff because because mm-hmm. they have been very good and they built on a they built a very solid program and they built on what they did last year and uh, you know I don't know what else to say about them. Yeah, coach of the year. That's what yeah. I gotta say. So that's, yeah. there you go. That's your Raptors report card. Um, you know, you know, if, if you if you are an unhappy parent, please see me at parent teacher interviews. All right, <laughs> I'm I'm gonna hold session. You can complain Office about hours? marks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, if you want to be an Asian parent and come in and, and yell at why. Uh, my son is only getting ninety five instead of ninety eight. Uh, come in, come in and argue. I have office hours. You can, you can, you can message me on Twitter. I probably won't respond. Um, Reynolds, thanks for coming on the podcast. Where can people find you and your work? You know, you have a, you're a man of many talents. You can of course find me at raptors at raptorshq dot com. I'm on aka underscore Reynolds on Twitter. Uh, raptors HQ at at, uh, at raptors HQ. That's the Twitter account, the main Twitter account for the site. Uh, and you can buy my book, Point Man, on sale hey. now on Amazon. Hey! I forgot to put it. I, oh, damn it, man. I it's okay. It's all right. It's okay. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Yeah, it's it's good. Kyle's yeah. in it. Kyle Larry's yeah, in Kyle's, it. Kyle figures into it very, very much. Yeah. So, yeah, okay. So that does it for the podcast. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And uh, I'll be back next week. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.